See, they just don't make them like they used to, which is why Carolina Classic Cars is your one-stop shop for everything classic. Check out our showroom just off Highway 64 near Asheboro or hop on our website at thecarolinaclassiccars.com. Carolina Classic Cars, let's go for a ride. Welcome to Crash Radio, sponsored by Carolina Classic Cars on WKXR 94.9 FM. Crash Radio is created by Rhino Leap Productions, a company producing theater, music, dance, and documentaries in North Carolina. Every episode of Crash Radio focuses on local musicians, writers, and storytellers presented as a live event in Asheboro, North Carolina. The content is then edited for broadcast. This episode of Crash Radio was recorded live at Four Saints Brewing Company in downtown Asheboro. Our first guest is Dave Bear. Dave is an amateur short story writer. Some of his tales have been published in Thrive Magazine, accompanied by artwork from his dear friend Rich Powell. Dave's story tonight is an ecological horror story set in the same kind of suburban neighborhood he lives in. Because that's where stuff like this happens, right? Oh yeah, he's a librarian and stuff. The story is called Invasive Species. When John Klein bought the old Weaver house at 945 Green Lane, the thing that he was happiest about was the backyard. At least the prospect of having a backyard. The previous owner had planted bamboo in the back by the chain link fence, and it had dominated most of the, that part of the property while the house sat empty. But John didn't mind. He and his wife, Nina, and their two children, nine-year-old twins, Robbie and Ricky, had been living on the sixth floor of a huge condominium since the boys were toddlers. He would be very happy to pluck some bamboo if he could enjoy the kids playing pickle while he grilled burgers and Nina lazed on the patio reading. A little hard work would provide them something that they all needed. Saturday, a week before the moving vans were set to arrive, John drove the 30 miles to his new Green Lane home, brought his shovel, his machete, his work gloves, and a radio that had been in storage at the condo since they'd moved in. He planned to dig up and cut back as much of the bamboo as he could in preparation for when the lawnscapers were set to come with sod and mulch and cedar fencing. It was a big job, but it would feel good to be out in nature. And after clearing the backyard, he would drive downtown find a local burger joint or brew pub, and stay over at the house. He could finish the yard in the morning and then drive back to finish helping pack. He opened the latch on his red Subaru wagon, drew out his tools, turned up the radio, and set to cutting out the bamboo. By noon, he'd gone through about five-foot swath or so of richly, thickly growing stalks that he'd spied, and when he spied something blue in the green depths of the remaining bamboo toward the back of the property. As he strained his eyes to see, he realized that it was a child's wading pool. It appeared to hover amid the shadowy stalks near the back corner. Here, the bamboo grew even closer together, forming a kind of wall or fence. Brandishing his machete like a saber-wielding cavalry officer hacking off the heads of enemy infantry, John Klein bushwhacked the path into the bamboo toward the kiddie pool. The pool had no doubt been left by the previous owners, but John's real estate agent had never said much about them, except that tragedy struck and they left unexpectedly, forcing them to sell and move away. Murky water, dyed tea brown by many floating bamboo leaves, filled the plastic pool, but what struck him most was that it appeared that the bamboo had simply grown right up through the plastic. Six or seven stalks piercing from below and lifting the water-filled child's toy whole feet off the ground as it grew. It unsettled him. He cut and tore the pool into three sections along the perforations made by the bamboo and took the pieces to the piles that he had made by the side fence. Three hours later, sweating and filthy, John had managed to cut and dig and move 
all the bamboo, all the way back to the rickety chain link fence. The backyard was a rough and muddy swath, peppered by the confetti of bamboo leaves that had fallen as he worked, but it was finally clear. All along the side fence, bamboo tubes lay in uneven piles. As he surveyed his hard work from the patio, he made the choice not to move those piles to the street just yet. He didn't quite know the local ordinances, and there was no sense angering the city's sanitation crews right away. Besides, he was hot and dirty and needed a drink and a burger. The piles would still be there tomorrow morning. Before he left, he showered and changed and put his tools into his new garage. Are you scared yet? <laughs> it was dark when he got back to the house on, John, on Green Lane. John grabbed his sleeping bag and his newly filled cooler and went into the house. He went and cracked open a beer and went back out and sat on the front porch admiring his new neighborhood until it was late and he was quite drunk. Long after he ought to have turned in, he heard a sound like rushing wind, though there was no stirring of leaves on the trees in the front. He thought better of any more beer and poured the rest of the bottle out into the desolate flower bed and then went inside. He slipped into his sleeping bag and sank into fitful Stygian dreams of a child's waiting pool. In the bluish light of early morning, John Klein rose and drank from the kitchen tap. He rubbed his head and looked through the empty cabinets for Tylenol. Finding none and not wanting to do much except go back to sleep, he stared out the kitchen window into the backyard, trying to wake up. But the backyard wasn't there. He walked around to the patio doors and found the switch for the spotlights. He flipped it and two beams of light illuminated the gloom. What they lit, he could not make sense of. Bamboo. A whole forest of closely packed bamboo, row upon row, had marched right up to the house. Some stalks appeared to be shoving through the slats of the patio, like green spears tipped in wet earth. Others were wedged between the gutters and the roof. He slid the door open and walked right to the edge of the patio and put his hands out into the dull green darkness. His wrists and fingers bumped against shoots that were growing as close together as grass and were already as nearly, nearly as tall as the house. No bugs ticked or hummed, no birds chortled, nothing moved, yet there was a light rustling in the green depths of the bamboo that made his flesh pucker with goosebumps. John could not say how long he'd stood there, hands in his hair, staring out into the brightening daylight at the bamboo. It had grown back in just a few hours since he'd dug it up. As day grew slowly lighter, he could just make out the cut pieces of the wading pool lying by the side fence through the grove of newly grown stalks. His head ached, his eyes blurred, his heart raced. Raging and, still a little drunk, he got his machete from the garage, pulled on his shoes, and cut a swath into the bamboo just in his boxers. He pulled up new shoots, the fresh green wood cutting into his fingers and palms. Leaves fell on him and stalks fell among the taller, thicker shoots. He kept swinging until his shoulders screamed with the agony of repeated motion. Repeated motion. He pulled the stalks right out of the soft black earth. And as he swung, the machete caromed off the horizontal pole of the back fence, chipping the edge and jarring his wrist and arm with the impact. He stopped, surprised out of his fury, and turned to see his handiwork. To his absolute horror, he saw that where he had just cut and pulled and cleared, stalks and shoots were already growing. He could almost see them wending this way and that, trying to get into the new day sunlight. He felt surrounded. The wind sound came again from all around him, as if each stalk shuddered with nefarious life. In an agony of confusion and abject terror, he started moving back toward the house, the need to escape the surrounding plant life boiling up as sheer primate panic 
in his dirt-streaked chest. As he put his foot down, he yelled, Ugh! A spike of bamboo impaled the sole of his shoe and pierced through the top, tearing the laces and squirting the dirty white canvas with blood. He swayed, feeling ill, and reaching for a chute to steady himself, felt something pierce his arm and his bicep and again at his wrist. Again and again, bamboo shoots speared him, puncturing his leg and his knee, biting through his calf, under his shoulder blade, tenting and then puncturing the tender flesh on his flank. He screamed as hot pain seared in his groin. Looking down, he saw a fast-growing chute tear the front flap from his boxers, ripping the fabric and rendering him essentially naked to the day. Blood gouted and streaked across his body from the many wounds as he felt himself lifted off the ground completely. His skin stretched and then tore as growing bamboo skewered him. John Klein opened his mouth to scream again, but he could only gasp as searing pain in his neck forced his head back. A shoot of bamboo, smeared with bright blood, pushed its way through his mouth. And as his vision dimmed, he saw the gentle leaves unfurl in the warming sunlight. He was now high above the ground. The many bamboo shoots holding him swayed and bent over with its weight. But those red spattered leaves were the last thing that John Klein ever saw. Mrs. Ludora Angle, whose property abutted the old weaver house along the back, thought she heard a scream. She slipped her feet into her house shoes and pushed open the screen door. She wound her way through her raised garden, stopping to pluck a pesky shoot of bamboo from her tomato patch as she went. At the back of the property, the bamboo was thick and dark and green as ever. She leaned over the fence and trying to see what she could of the new neighbor. He had been out working all day yesterday, after all. It might be friendly to say hello. As she squinted into the gloom, something dripped on her forehead. Thinking it was a bird, she cursed and reached up to wipe at it, and as she brought her hand away, she saw red on her fingers. Looking up, her heart juddered painfully. She grasped the fence to keep her balance. Gazing down at her from on high, high in the thick bamboo, she saw a man's face. Bamboo shoots poking out of his mouth and one eye socket. Green leaves shimmering crimson in the morning. The body lulled and sighed as more stalks shot from the dirt to lift it higher into the air. Ludora Angle retched and then fell over backward into the ground in a dead faint. Between her wrinkled fingers, a tiny lime green stalk of bamboo wriggled itself out of the dark earth and swayed toward the sun with, had she been able to witness it, stunning speed. The end. Up next is singer-songwriter Michael C. Paris. Michael is from Millboro, but grew up in Randolph County. His album, Honeybee, blends roots music styles, including country, bluegrass, roots rock and folk, with simple lyrics and beautiful imagery, hearkening back to Michael's Randolph County beginnings. The fenders were red and the hood was gray. 79 burgundy hatchback Mustang I drove back in the day. The left door's yellow and the white one right, but I took it cruising every Saturday night to the McDonald's down there on Fayetteville Street. That's where friends and enemies, we'd all meet and we'd go looking for trouble. We didn't even know we were looking to find old cars. Junkyard parts seem far away And other times They feel just like yesterday Driving me back to my old used to 
face Before I got stuck in the passing line Before I knew with love there came pain Oh, cause junkyard parts and chicken wire Had to put those cars together with chicken wire sometime. A 77 Maverick, she was powdered blue. Blue plastic seats, man, I tell you, she wasn't that cool. Only had an AM radio, but I drove that thing everywhere that thing would go. The football games on a Friday night and I drive away real slow and fighting people they started to fight I was running from something I didn't even know I was running from old cars and junkyard parts seem far away and other times they feel just like yesterday Driving me back to my old used to be Before we got stuck in the passing line Before we knew with love there came pain Old cars, junkyard parts, and chicken Ford F-150, a three, speeding the floor. It had an overdrive, for what I'm still not sure. The bed was black and the trunk was brown. And all my friends, we'd jump in the back and we'd go listen to Waylon Jennings on the audio cassette player. And maybe a little Johnny Cash. And if I'm being honest, friends and neighbors, and I am, a little Billy Ray Cyrus, too. I don't care what people say, man. Achy, breaky heart. It was cool. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Crash Radio here on WKXR 94.9 FM. Sponsored by Carolina Classic Cars and produced by Rhino Leap Productions.